and welcome to another episode of Real Talk with Terry. I'm your host, Terry Cato, and I have our resident sex expert and sex educator here, Miss Bree. Welcome back to Real Talk with Terry After Hours. Hey, hey. Hey. So today we are talking about women's health and the importance of being an advocate for your health, especially from the perspective of the African-American female standpoint. Um, this is Women's History Month. Disparities in healthcare still exist, despite the fact that we have um, research, we've made great strides in healthcare, but still we have a huge disparity when it comes to um, chronic illnesses and sicknesses that Black women suffer from in relation to their counterparts of another race. Black women have higher rates of undetected diseases, illness, and chronic conditions, as well as a shorter lifespan than other groups. And I just want to read a quote that I read from Dr. Janine Austin Clayton, and it says, it is important for a woman to be the best advocate that she can be for her health. Women are so often the caretakers of their family, putting the health of others before their own, but wives, mothers, and daughters need to make sure that their health needs are met in order to be there for others. And I could not have said this any more perfectly. That is a wonderful sentiment that we all believe in our heart, but we don't always do. So with that, I am going to turn it over to Bree and um, hey, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> you did such a great introduction. I mean, I could not have said it any more perfectly. And it's so important that, you know, we have to understand that we have a voice and we have to use our voice because at the end of the day, we are our own best advocates for our health. I know a lot of times we rely on, you know, oh, well, nothing's really wrong with me or if something was wrong with me then you know the doctor would tell me like no you have to pay attention to your own body take cues from what your body is telling you and make sure that you are truly being the voice for yourself and for your health and for your body and so I just want to talk about um, a list of health screenings that every woman should make sure that she takes part of so you know we have our blood pressure cholesterol, diabetes, dental, taking care of your teeth is important as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we skip out on that, but please make sure that you're going to get your, what is it, biannual cleanings for your mm -hmm. dental? Yep. Vision. Yes. Let's make sure that we take care of our sight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, screening, some more screenings. These are more sexual health related. Cervical cancer. Mm. So, it is recommended that women starting at age 21 receive a, a cervical cancer screening every three years. Mm -hmm. And then at the age of 30, then every five years. Okay. Very important information. Now, if you have a family history of cervical cancer, then you will start your um, screenings prior to that and more frequently so that they can monitor your um, the cells in your cervix. Interesting. Now, I do have a question because you mentioned once you turn 30, if you have a good, if you have, um, I guess what they say, a good screening or a good test, Correct. 
then it goes to every five years. Now, is that because the incident of cerebral cancer goes down the older you get or is less likely because you've always had clean um, pap smears that come back? Is so a really good question. So one part of that is because of the sexual activity in that yes. age group with the, mm -hmm. like you said, the incidence rate. Mm -hmm. And then the other part of that is um, doctors want to minimize the amount of scrape or the times that they scrape the service because if they don't have to, considering your history prior to age 30 has been pretty normal, mm -hmm. they don't want to continue to um, swap the cells of the cervix, oh. interrupt them. Yes, got it. Okay, thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Um, and then in addition to cervical cancer, of course, we have to talk about breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you are getting your mammograms. And even before mammograms, you can do self-checks at home. You can take your two fingers, hold your arm up, and then pat around the breast tissue all the way up into your um, underarm part because you do have ducts there as well or glands there. So you want to make sure that you feel all around your breast. And if you feel anything abnormal, make sure that you share that with your healthcare provider. So there is a lot of um, back and forth about the recommended age for uh, when, the, when a woman should begin breast cancer screenings. Mm -hmm. And so I went with age 40. Mm -hmm. And of course, you would get them earlier than that if you had a family history of breast cancer, or let's say, for instance, you were examining your family history of cancers. However, the age of the person who was the youngest who um, was diagnosed with cancer is mm -hmm. the age that you would start. Okay. And then, like I said, all of this depends on your family history. So let's take a pause right there because mm -hmm. I've been saying a lot about family history. It's so important to make sure if you can to get as much medical information and history from family members as possible, especially those closest to you, your, your, um, your parents, your grandparents, those are very, very two important sources of information that you want to get from. And then you want to make sure that you are taking notes, keeping record of that information so that when you go to your doctor, you are able to share that medical history with your doctor. Because again, remember, you are your best advocate. And so your doctor is just part of your treatment team. You are a part of that team as well. So as much information as you can give them, the more helpful it is for them to treat you and provide a more accurate course of treatment and diagnosis and, and things like that. And Bree, you make a wonderful point. We have to know our medical history from a meal standpoint. And I can only speak for the Black family because I'm Black, I'm African-American. We are horrible at sharing information. We are so secretive Me when too. it comes to our health. <laughs> yes. It's, I mean... Yes, we all deserve our privacy when it comes to health, but some things you have to share them with your children and, and your, I mean, you have to share it and with your siblings and, and cousins, I'll never forget, um, you know, we have a family, a little Facebook, private Facebook group, and we share stuff in our family group, and sometimes it get lit in there, but I'll never forget 
one cousin um, or somebody, uh, maybe my sister, one cousin or whoever posted something just asking about like, hey, cousins or, or hey, family, you know, what are health issues? What do you deal with? What are you dealing with right now? We need to know each other's medical history. And um, I'll never forget one of the comments was about telling your business. I'm like, we're family. I'm like, if you can't tell your medical business to anybody, if you can't tell it to family, then who can you tell it to? But it's not about telling your business. It's about information is power. And we need to know, we need to know, you know, what kind of stuff runs in the family, you know, high blood pressure, diabetes, or mental illness. I mean, we need to know this kind of stuff. Information is power. And I just have like a little, um, info that I want to throw out because you did mention cancer. That's how we got here. And I just want to say that cancer is the second leading cause of death for Black women who are more likely than other women to die from breast and cerebral cancers. This is usually because abnormal cells or tumors are found at a later, more advanced stage. And ladies, that is why it's so important to share health information with each other. Because like Bree said, we have to advocate for ourselves. And if our doctor knows that there is a history of whatever that runs in our family, they will be on the lookout for it. So when, <clears throat> when things go awry, <coughs> excuse me, swallowed the wrong way. <laughs> but when things go awry, they will say, oh, okay, <coughs> excuse me, you mentioned you know, last year or two years ago, this is in your record. So let's test you for this or let's test you for that. That's how they know. So I just wanted to pause right there because, um, <coughs> excuse me, that is something that we have to get out of as a community. And that's being so secretive. I mean, about our health, we have got to get out of that. You know, I'll just remember, I just remember when, really close family member that I'm not gonna say because girl, you know how they get, but they were dealing with a health issue. And, you know, I'm a woman of prayer. Family member was sharing with me and family member, I'll never forget. They told me, well, I don't want to tell nobody because I don't want people talking about me. I'm like, let them talk. You know, I'm like, this is about getting your healing. You know, this is about getting a healing. I'm like, it's not about people talking and we need to get out of that. We need, why would you talk yeah. about somebody that is sick or that has right. a medical issue or that has a problem? I don't get that. And that just hurt me to my heart. You know, when the person told me that on the phone because they were looking at life and death and they were like, I don't want anybody to know because I don't want people to talk about me. And that, that just, that really hurts me even right to this day to even say it, because I feel like when people are um, sick like that, nobody should suffer in silence or suffer alone because they're scared that people are going to talk about them. So, you know, black people, we got to get out of that. You know, if you can't pray for somebody, then don't talk about them. You know, if they have a health issue, I, I never understood that anyway, but I'm going to give the floor back to you. I'm, a, I'm off my pedestal for now. <laughs> now <laughs> no but you made a good point as you were talking i was thinking about like even with covid a positive mm -hmm. covid test people were yes. more about that like you know when, when i um contracted covid i made sure i told everybody not because i just want everybody to know but more so because hey if you were around me you need to get tested as well you know so you're right we have to get out of that whole oh i'm keeping my health a secret like 
I understand the privacy. However, you're not violating HIPAA for telling your own personal health information when it could be beneficial to other people. <laughs> Hello, namely your family. Yes. <laughs> your family. <laughs> yes. And so, of course, you know, as a sex educator, I have to make sure that we also include sexual health Absolutely. as part of your normal routine as well. So that includes regular sexually transmitted infection testing or STI testing and HIV testing. If you are sexually active and you have multiple partners, you should be getting tested every three months. Every time you change partners, you should get tested upon changing partners. Or I always say before you change partners so that you know your partner's status and they know yours. And then if you are in a, I like to put monogamous relationship in quotation marks because you never really know. <laughs> but if you're in a monogamous relationship, yes. then you should get tested at least once a year. Yep, amen. And let me just um put in another, since we on sexual health, I have all <laughs> these little factoids. That's just my personality. Okay, I, <laughs> I want to throw this in. <clears throat> HIV, African-American women accounted for 64% of new HIV infections reported among women in 2010 and also had the highest death rates from HIV disease among all groups of women. It is the third ranked cause of death among Black women ages 35 to 44, and most of these women got HIV from having unprotected sex with men. Girl. Yeah. Come on. That's another conversation that yes, we can have that, a topic on. Yes, that is a whole nother conversation, you know, HIV in the Black community. And uh, I call it the Magic Johnson complex. Um, yes. I, it's, it's just, that's a whole nother conversation. But <laughs> know your status. Um, know your status. And okay. then remember, sexual health is not just about STD screening as well. It's mm -hmm. about your overall sexual well-being. Mm -hmm. Are you checking in with yourself? You know, recently we talked about masturbation. Are you giving yourself pleasure in any way? Whatever brings you pleasure, just make sure you're taking care of your overall well-being, including mental health. Mm -hmm. What do you do for you? Mm -hmm. Good. Do you take? Do you set aside time to make appointments with yourself? That's a good one. Hey, I need to check in with myself, you know, and make sure that your mental health is good. And if for some reason you feel like, hey, I'm not feeling right, I've been having feelings of, you know, just not feeling like myself. See a therapist. That is okay. It's, it's totally okay. Yes, it it's totally okay. I, personally, I feel like every person in this world should have a therapist on speed dial. Yes, the same way we have a primary care physician, right? Absolutely. So, you need to take care of your mental health the same way you take care of the rest of your health. Absolutely. And we need to normalize that in the Black community. Going for mental health, or not even mental health, but like you said, just going to talk to a therapist or talk to what I like to call a neutral um, party. Nothing is wrong with that. That is not a sign of weakness. To me, that is a sign of strength. Anytime you can step outside of yourself and say, you know what, I need help. And I want to go to a professional who can help me talk through this and process this. Because I guarantee you, at some point in your life, if you live long enough, you are going to experience something traumatic enough, whether it be the, God forbid, the death of a parent, the death of a child, the death of a spouse, divorce, whatever, you're going to experience something where you will probably need to talk to a professional 
professional to help you work through that, even if it's grief. I mean, it doesn't matter. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. We there is that is not a sign of weakness. And I get so irritated when I hear that in our community. Um, and, and I have nothing against pastors. I am a Christian, but hear me out, Christians. You know, yes, it is awesome to go talk to your pastor, but they are not all trained in that area. In fact, most of them are not trained therapists. They are pastors. They are men and women of God. They are anointed to preach and teach the word, but they are not necessarily counselors. <laughs> and right. I will just leave it right. there. <laughs> go to a professional <laughs> I agree but you know what Terry um society has made us feel especially black women that we have to be that strong black woman yes you don't always have to be strong we don't always oh, have to be that strong black woman like it's okay to say I'm not okay and Come be on. okay with saying that yes yeah it's, okay. it's like we get so accustomed to oh girl hey how you doing i'm blessed and highly favored <laughs> girl, when we used to go to church how you doing blessed i'm blessed 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 no lying lying and blessed is not even a feeling blessed is not a feeling it's not it's not how are you feeling yes how are you feeling you're absolutely right you're right it is it's okay so you know what i'm not i'm not okay I'm not, I'm, I'm, I will be okay, but I'm not okay. And it's okay. And hey, let me throw in another one of my little factoids, okay? African-American women are particularly vulnerable to the impacts of race-related stress. Stress can cause arteries to narrow, make it harder to lose weight, especially dangerous belly fat, and raise blood pressure and the risk for heart attack. So... And, and we're not just talking to black women, we're talking to all women because this is Women's History Month. But I mean, obviously, um, you know, we are both African-American women. So we just have a little bit more knowledge, perhaps passion in that area that affects our own community like anybody else. So I just want to um, throw that in there. Um, stress is not good. Yeah, I mean, it's not good. And I, I got a little... A piece of information a few years ago when I was getting a mammogram and a, a, a friend, a, kind of an associate, a friend had died of cancer recently. And that just really rattled me because she was only a couple of years older than me. And I was getting my mammogram and I was talking to the technician and was just sharing with her. I'm like, but we're so young, you know? And she, I was like, she was just a couple of years older than me. And I may have just turned 40 or was maybe 40 or 41. But anyway, and the, I'll never forget what the technician told me. She said, Terry, she was like, I read something in a medical journal and it talked about stress mm -hmm. and how you would be shocked at how stress wears your body down and makes you more susceptible to diseases such as cancer. She was like, you have to monitor your stress level. She said, you will be shocked at how stress will wear you down to the point of contracting diseases such as cancer. And you're like, where did this come from? Well, stress, the stress wore your body down. It wore you down. So we really have to watch our stress levels. And that's a good point because a lot of times we think of stress as just psychological mm -hmm. or, or something that we feel emotionally, but it is very much so physical. 
Yes. Very, very physical. And and you'll be surprised with how it manifests itself. So again, that's why therapy is important. Mm -hmm. Self-care is important. Um, Taking care of your skin. That's also, you're taking care of, you know, your skin is the largest organ in your body. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. We have to take care of our skin. Go get you a facial. Yes. Go get a massage. You know, do things yes. that make you feel good to relieve stress and at the same time still take care of your health as well. Absolutely. Amen. So we've been right. talking a lot about advocating. So I'm going to give you some tips to help you advocate for yourself with your healthcare provider. All right. So the first thing is ask questions. Mm-hmm. Make sure you ask tons and tons of questions. If you are unclear about what your what your healthcare provider is saying to you, ask them to explain again. Remember, you pay them. Yes. Don't let them rob you of your money or your time. Mm-hmm. So make sure you ask questions about side effects, benefits, the condition, anything that you need to know, ask those questions. And then I also recommend write your questions down prior to going to your healthcare provider so mm-hmm. that you don't forget anything. Next, make sure that you actually understand your insurance and use it as a resource. Mm -hmm. You can use your insurance to help you find a doctor, find different specialists, and just go on the website. You can go on the website on the uh, back of your car, or you can call and you can um, explore all of the benefits that your insurance offers you. So make sure that you are doing that so you can take advantage of resources that you have and understand how your co-pays work and whether or not you have to have referrals. All of that is important to advocating for your health. Next, educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Do your research before you even go to your healthcare provider. That goes back to having your questions um, already made. When you do research, you form questions, write everything down that you want to know. This also helps you to be better prepared. So when you're, you and your doctor are having a conversation, you feel more educated to engage in that conversation and ask more questions about your health. Um, I also say take notes during your medical appointments and your doctor visits and keep records of any outcomes or anything that the doctor said, that's to protect yourself. So if anything negative were to happen, you have it documented. Well, I told my doctor X, Y, Z, this was not addressed. So make sure you take notes. And then again, also for your personal record. So, you know, okay, this was discussed during this appointment. So now I know, you know, at my next appointment, I need to follow back up around with this concern if it hasn't been resolved or whatever. So you want to make sure that you are taking notes and keeping records. And then um, lastly, over-communicate. Over-communicate about any health concern that you have. Be as detailed as possible when it comes to, for example, sharing your symptoms, Mm -hmm. um, how something is affecting you. If you started taking a new medication, how are you feeling on that medication? If you notice you know, a, a discharge that's not normal for you. If you've noticed, oh, um, this bump right here on my wrist wasn't here last month. What's going on? Take note, pay attention, over-communicate that with your physician. Um, and again, you know, that goes back to sharing your medical history as well. And this is the thing too. If you feel like you are not being heard, you do not have to be locked into a healthcare provider. Yeah. It is okay to switch. Now, some insurances are different. I understand that. And again, that goes back to understanding your insurance. So, you know, okay, well, I'll have to change my primary care physician before I can sleep somebody else. Do what you need to do, but don't stick with the physician where you feel like you are not being heard or your needs are not being addressed. And it's also okay to bring a friend or a trusted individual with you if you feel like you want someone there um, in your appointments to make you feel more empowered 
being in that position. Because I know, you know, talking to a physician can be sometimes uh, make you feel timid because they are the professional. Right, right. right. It can be intimidating. But remember, you are the expert of your body. They just went to school and got degrees to know how to treat it. But you know what's going on with your body. So make sure that you communicate. And then lastly, if you ever feel like you experience any racial biases, as you know, we've been talking about a lot throughout this this conversation, file a complaint. Mm. You can file a complaint. You can leave reviews. Um, There's this app called Earth App. It's I-R-T-H app. Um, That's a really good app to um, file a complaint and you and um, submit reviews about a physician. And, And remember, word of mouth is powerful. If you had a bad experience, Take that to social media. Let everyone know, hey, this this is what happened to me with this doctor. And I do not recommend you seeing this physician because of these reasons and how this doctor made me feel. That's okay. Word of mouth is very important with getting the word out because it's hard to find a black physician or any physician that you feel comfortable with. A lot of us feel comfortable with a physician that looks like us. And it can be very hard finding someone like that. So if you had a good experience, make sure you share that as well. Hey, oh, you're looking for a doctor. I go to such and such, such and such. This person is really, really good. They listen to me. Share that good experience as well. Absolutely. All good advice, good stuff. And I even have my own little testimony of, you know, doctors, you know, getting a recommendation for a particular, you know, GYN and they were highly recommended. Um, You know, I started going to them, um, had a really good experience um, for a number of years and then went on a particular um, birth control. I think it was, um, I'm getting old now, Depo Prevero or something like that. I'm like, I'm getting old. I can't remember all these details, but did something, was trying out something like that and was having issues with it. And I knew that something was not right, but I couldn't put my finger on what was causing it. And after going to this doctor, going to that doctor, and they were like, oh no, you're just stressed out because of your mom's death. And then it was like, oh no, I think maybe we should test you for, um, it was like hypothyroidism or something like that. And I'll never forget um, when that doctor mentioned wanting to test me for that, I looked at him and I said, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And he looked at me like I was crazy because I literally, when he said that, he was like, yeah, I want to test you for a hypothyroid. I said, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I'm like, I'll do the test, but I'm not accepting that. And so anyway, so after tests and going to different doctors, went back to my GYN well well let me tell you what I did I took my health into my own hands I was like I don't know what is causing me to have these kind of issues and side effects I just knew something was going on with my body so I said let me just stop taking medicines you know I I was like I don't want to take aspirin I don't want to take ibuprofen I was like I'm going to stop getting these shots I'm going to I was like anything that is not supposed to be in my body if it's not for nutrition or nourishment I'm not putting it in my body nothing artificial no medicines I'm like I'm going to stop so I slowly stopped all of that and the issues that I was having began to correct themselves and I'll never forget I went back to my GYN for my annual appointment and I told her, I said, remember last year when I told you I was having all these weird symptoms, this stuff was going on. And I said, and I asked you, I said, do you think the shot is causing that? She said, yeah, I remember that discussion. And and she said, and, and she told me no. 
She said, no, I don't, I know the shot wouldn't do that. So then when I told her, I said, I stopped the shot, you know, cause I wasn't going to the doctor to get shots. I said, and the problem went away. And then she looked at me and she got this little smirk on her face. And she said, you know what, Terry? In a very small percentage of women, they experience this particular side effect. And you guys, my heart kind of like sank because I looked at her and I said, I, well, I didn't say that, but I thought, so why wouldn't you think that I was in that small percentage of women that had that side effect? You blew me off as this young black girl or this young black woman. Um, and I know my story um, is not um, what is is not a, a unicorn or is not unique. I know that happens all the time. So I say that because it happens all the time with Black women. When we tell our doctor something, they don't take us seriously or they kind of blow us off. And, and I was really hurt by that because I'm going to doctors, I'm going to specialists. I was talking to her and, and she remembered that conversation because I asked her, I said, do you think the shot would cause this? And she told me no. And then when I came back to her a year later and was like, okay, I haven't been taking the shot. I stopped, I stopped taking medicines. I was like, I just literally, I, I purged my system of anything, what I was calling artificial, you know, birth controls, everything, you know? And I was like, if it's not for nourishment or if it's not food or water, I'm not taking it. And like I said, the problem, it corrected itself. Wow. And so of course you guys know, I went to another doctor and you know, this, um, this site that you were talking about, it didn't exist then. This was in the dinosaur ages. But I was like, we have to advocate for ourselves. And you guys, we know our body. If something is not right, and if your doctor is not hearing you, change doctors. Please change doctors. Because we don't deserve that. You know, like Bree said, we pay these doctors, you know, I feel like when we come to them, that's a privilege. That's like a compliment. We're telling them, I trust you with my health. And if they're not hearing you out, or if they're not listening to you, go somewhere else. Because we deserve good health care. We have come too far as a people. Medicine has come too far for Black women or for people to not be heard. And it's not even just Black women. I mean, it can be race. It can be socioeconomic class. Um, it can be a lot of things, the reason why there's disparities in health care. So it, it, that's just one of the reasons. Sometimes it's race, but other times it's um, economics. You know, other times it's... Um, it's, it's a lot of different reasons, but I have my own personal testimony of that. And I was so upset. And from that point on, I mean, when I go to the doctor's office, they know me. If I have any symptom, I've already researched it. I come in with my little WebMD papers. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm like, well, this is what WebMD said about my symptoms. Now, what do you have to say? <laughs> and so my, I'll never forget one doctor even told me, he was like, Terry, stay off WebMD. <laughs> I was like, I just have to like check for myself. So anyway, um, that's all I have. Bree, in closing, do you have anything else that you want to share with the people? Just remember that you are your best advocate. Yes. For yourself, for your health, listen to your body. And if you are not being taken serious or you feel mistreated, switch physicians. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I echo that. I co-sign that. <laughs> Switch <laughs> positions. Come on, because there are some good doctors out there. So don't feel like you have to stay with the same one. So um, that being said, we are going to go ahead and close out this episode. So thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Real Talk with Terry After Hours. This is March Women's History Month. So I just want to give a shout out to all the beautiful ladies out there. Um, you are beautiful. Um, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. We all have something beautiful and unique to contribute to the earth. So I would just say whatever is your thing, whatever is yours, do it and do it with all your might, rock it and put it back out there and see how it's blessed. <laughs>